You are tuned in to Lightworkers Lounge, tales of having a human experience in a spiritual world. Do you ever have those years that you think back on and you don't even have to process and go, hmm, happened that year? You just know, like, that was the year that you went through it. That you may stop and reflect and think, man, if I can get through that, I can get through anything. Or how the hell did I survive that year? For me, that was 2016. I was 27 or 28 years old. 28, turned 28, so I was 27 most of the year. And that year was the worst for me because I had an autoimmunity flare-up summer of that year or spring of that year that hospitalized me. And when my then partner drove me to the ER because my arms, I don't know how to describe it, guys, my arms just looked like they were covered, like I walked out of a fire or that they were covered in severe bubbly oozy poison ivy and they were just growing. And then I had a fever of a hundred degrees with it. And literally it was going up by a degree like every 20 minutes. So that my then husband was like, yo, this, this is scary. Cause I was almost in and out of consciousness and it itched and it burned. And I was like, I have no idea what this is. I called my family because I was just with them in Iowa and Indiana. And I was like, "Do you, is the poison ivy even grown yet there? Is it poison oak? And I sent them all pictures and they were like, no, honey, I don't think that's poison oak. That looks way beyond. They were like, were your cats outside? I said, no, they live in the apartment. So uh, my partner drove me to the emergency room and I don't even remember the drive. I remember it was in South Carolina And I was just dozing in and out, just, I don't know if it was the fever or if my subconscious was disassociating because it was so painful that it was like, we got to tap out of this while the physical body fights it. But I just remember driving there in my Chevy Equinox, looking out the passenger side window and seeing tall, loose leaf pines just slowly, like in slow motion, flying by. And when we pulled up, I remember telling my partner, like, I can't get out. I I can't walk. Like, I'm so inflamed. I feel like I'm in a bodysuit. I can't, I'm stiff. And my fever was so high, it got up to 104. And I was like, I just want to throw up or just poop or something and get whatever this is out, just detox. My partner picked me up like a lifeless doll, carried me into the emergency room. They looked, took one look at my arms and were like, did she just, where did she just get burned at? Where, was there a fire? What was going on? He was like, no, no fire. She was just working and started complaining that she felt hot. And then all of a sudden this rash just appeared and her fever super high. And they were like, oh my God. So she's not burned? And he was like, no, this isn't a burn. They were like, is it poison ivy? And he's like, I don't, I don't think so. So they put me in a room, and I remember there was music playing overhead, just like the radio or something, faintly, while we waited for a doctor. And I was still going in and out, but I could hear the music, and I was like, okay, 
just focus on the music, focus on the tempo, the beat, the bridge, the chorus of whatever song this is. It was like 70s rock. I was like, just focus. Don't look at your arms. Don't think about how hot and sweaty you are. Just focus on this beat and this tempo. And so I just stared at the wall and counted tempos in my head. And then the doctor came in with two syringes full of steroids. And she was like, all right, honey, stand up, pull your pants down. Like, we need steroids in you now, anti-inflammatory, immediately. And so I just barely could move, but I was like, yes, relief. She was like, this is going to be really strong because you are a very petite woman. And normally we would just do one syringe, but... You, you need some help immediately, so let's get this going. I didn't care if what they put in me, morphine, you call it, like Xanax, pop it. Like I was just desperate for relief. So I stood up, pulled my pants down, still focusing on the tempo. She shoved it in one of my butt cheeks. Luckily, I got a little, uh, I got enough blubber down there <laughs> to not feel too much. But... But she put the second syringe in, and I remember, like, tempo, tempo, tempo. But the music just faded out, and it looked like a black end of Looney Tunes fade out in my eyes, and boom! Your girl hit the floor. (laughs) Uh, I was fine. I just, it was like my knees buckled, and I just lightly fell, and my partner at the time caught me, so he was good. But... I just laid there on the table till I could come back into it. They gave me fluids. I was good. And they're like, all right, your fever's down. Is the rash still bad? I looked down at it. It was still definitely there, but it wasn't pulsing. Have you guys ever had a rash so swollen and red that you could see your heart beat in it? (laughs) That was my entire arms. And I remember looking at them thinking, yo, I am going to be scarred from shoulder to wrist on both of my arms. This is going to look gnarly. But um, I went home, and within hours, I could see it shrinking, just going away. It's incredible what our bodies are capable of. Just incredible. But after that, I was like, wow. Was it because I slipped a little on my diet and I had gluten with my family in Iowa? Is it travel? Did I get some weird swine flu like in the airport? What just happened? After that, we moved to Charleston, which was just three hours south of where we were in Charlotte. And on the drive down there, I remember I was with my mom. We had the cats in the back of my SUV. I was getting off a ramp, and this 18-wheeler was behind us, and I guess his brakes gave out because he was barreling towards us on the highway and I could see his face in my rearview mirror of like yo I can't stop this get out of the way and so I just I waited because I wasn't sure and I didn't want to be so dramatic and drive off into the grass off the highway and cause a wreck of its own but he wasn't stopping and he got probably within eight feet of my bumper and I just whipped my SUV into the grass and my mom was like what are you doing I'm like look at that 18 wheeler he eventually went off too but everyone was fine But I remember just thinking, wow, I think that was the first time that I could actually feel my cortisol like, like, squirt. That's such a weird word. 
but I could feel, and I feel it now as I'm getting over, I'm on the tail end of healing adrenal fatigue, which is big cortisol hormone related. I swear to you, just like with EMF in my last podcast, I can feel the squirt of the cortisol hormone, whether it's liquid or invisible or not. I don't know, but I can feel it. That was the first time I felt that, and I just thought, wow, is this what it's like to be an adult? Is this what my first Saturn return is going to be like in a couple of years? Because I'm done. Take me back to elementary. Whew. And then when we got to Charleston, the place we were moving into, it was just such a downgrade. But, you know, living in Charleston, it's beautiful down there. And so we had a budget, and what we could afford on that budget in Charlotte was a beautiful one-bedroom, brand-new apartment but what we could afford on the budget in Charleston, <laughs> Mount Pleasant to be exact, was just a rundown, dark, moldy, depressing place. Just so old. It should not have been lived in, but we did it. But moving in, and my mom helped us as she left. I was like giving her puppy eyes, like, please don't leave me here. What have I done? But I, I got up on my feet. I said, I got this. Let's do this. But then shortly after... And I don't know how to even describe the sensation without sounding mad. My anxiety took off in a way that whew, has me loose, pull, tugging at my collar right here. In a way that I didn't know anxiety could be. Now, both of my biological parents have anxiety. I know that genes load the gun, lifestyle pulls the trigger. But it was like my lifestyle or just the, the chapter and period of life that I was in pulled the trigger on a nuclear bomb, not just a gun with a single bullet, a nuclear bomb. And I don't know why, because this was when my diet was super clean. I was halfway healed through my autoimmunity. You know, six months after this story is when I got the official blood work done that said my autoimmunity was gone. So I was on the tail end of healing and getting it gone for good. So it was like, what's going on here? And I have theories now that I'm, gosh, seven, eight years removed. You know, when I, when I reflect back on that age at 27-year-old me, I want to just cry because I feel so sad for her, of, for the loneliness she endured while trying to keep it all together and put on a happy face and trying to be grateful and optimistic for what she did have, but knowing everything she had was nothing she ever wanted. It was things that society told her would make her happy and that she should want. It was things that her inner child thought would bring stability and the family she never had. And so she accepted those things as right for her. When the mind and the heart go to battle, the mind will win the battles, but the heart will win the war. And she, back then, 27-year-old Steph, was on her umpteenth battle, and she was ready to put her armor down and give up. I'm not insinuating suicide here all due respect but she was ready to give up and she didn't know how she wasn't ready to quit life but she was no longer willing to live a life that was not meant for her 
And I think the energetics of this are what caused the nuclear bomb of anxiety to go off. It started off small. It started off as just feeling antsy, like I drank too much coffee. So I was like, okay, something's going on here. I'm going to cut out coffee. So I did. Helped a little bit, not much. Because the joy of going through a Starbucks drive through or just saying, hey, I'm going to the coffee shop to work. You know, there is a vibe that is immaculate with things like that. And I get it. And then I cut out sugar. Didn't do anything. And then my anxiety started to really take a turn. And when I was walking through the grocery store one time, I was in the produce section, Whole Foods in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. I was getting stuff to make Sunday soup. And when I reached for the celery, it literally felt like as if someone else around me in the produce aisle pressed a button to release an escape door that was only reserved for my feet near the celery. And it felt as if I was free falling through the ground. Like as if I were in an elevator whose wires just got cut and I was tumbling down at warp speed. I mean, I literally dropped to my knees like a squat because I was like, whoa. And I wanted to just touch stable ground with my hands to kind of ground myself. And I looked around from like two feet on the ground. I looked up at other people and I'm like, is there an earthquake? Like, does anybody else feel this? Everyone's going about their day bagging avocados and picking out lettuce and nobody even probably noticed I was on the ground. So I'm like, okay, that was a me thing. Maybe I'm dehydrated. When's the last time I ate? Maybe I'm pregnant. Nope, nope, and nope. So I, as a health coach at the time, I knew in through the nose, out through the mouth. Just breathe. Continued grocery shopping while still scratching my head, wondering what the heck was that? Drove home, made my soup, carried on. And then Monday morning came and I walked into our office at home and I worked for a health insurance company at the time and my brother and I joked my morning commute was my bed to the office and I sat down. And as I sat down, had my coffee, because coffee turned on the computer. It was a very monotonous job, very repetitive. It really didn't involve much high stress, nothing. But I start doing my job and I'm forgetting. And I'm like, it's only been a weekend. What? How do I not know how to do this repetitive job? And so I was like, okay, maybe I'm just stressed over something. I don't know. And so I get up and I just walk downstairs, walk to the backyard, take a deep breath, look at the trees. I'm like, okay, all right. I got this. I got this. I know my job. Come on. I go and sit down and I blankly stare at my computer and the spreadsheets and the databases that I worked with Monday through Friday, everything the same day in, day out. And I don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, normally I feel like this after I take a week or two vacation and I come back and I have to refresh my memory, but I've been gone since Friday, two days. Why can't I remember my freaking job I've been doing for five years? Eventually, I pulled out my notes and just read them on how to do my job. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. And I just jumped right back on the horse, and it was fine. But 
I was still like, whoa, this isn't right. And so at the time, I was still going to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and I would work 9 to 5, and then 5 until like 8 o'clock, I would do IIN, homework, modules, discussion groups. And so later on that week, or maybe it was the next week, the timelines are kind of blurred now since it was so long ago, I'm listening to an IIN module, which is just a, like a YouTube video of a speaker teaching you about a certain health topic. And this woman's good. It was an African-American woman with such a commanding voice, just big Oprah vibes. And she was so good. And I was like, yes, I love speakers like this. Soulful voice. And I'm trying to take notes, but it was like my brain and my fingers weren't connected. And then I was like, okay, fine. Don't take notes. Just, just listen to the lady. Just listen. No notes. You can go back and listen and take notes later. But as the woman talks, again, it felt like my ears and my brain had a disconnect. And I could hear the syllabus pronunciation of the words she was using, but I couldn't digest and understand what she was saying. Are you guys with me here? Do I sound mad yet? I couldn't understand or comprehend what she was saying. And once I realized that it was literally like listening to someone speak in a foreign tongue, I was like, okay, this th three in a row, this is, this is so messed up. Something is wrong with me. And so then I started to spiral. And I was like, do I have a brain tumor? Did I have a stroke in my sleep? Like what? I literally thought I had a brain tumor of like a mass growing in my brain that was turning off a section of it. Oh, it was bad. And then this was uh, like August, September, October, November, December of 2016. So like the last half of it, all of this happened. And then shortly after that, I was driving to the beach to go for a walk, my daily walk that I always did. And I was sitting at the stoplight right near our house at the intersection with my left left hand turn blinker on. In Charleston, late day traffic, you know, nothing out of the norm. I turn and I'm driving by CVS and I feel that trapdoor energy again. And when I tell you my face went pale because I was like, not in the car, not in the car. I whipped my SUV into CVS pulled up in the parking lot and just looked at myself in the mirror. I think I just stared at myself because I was watching my pupils to see if they were like, one was dilated and one was not, to see signs of a stroke or, you know, let me preface all of this whole story with my brother has epilepsy and it's pretty darn severe to the point he is now permanently on disability. And so I've seen some pretty massive grand mal seizures, which for those listening who have witnessed those, they are absolutely traumatizing and then when you add on the layer of the intimacy between siblings or parents or lovers seeing them go through something like that hey I did good I got the bowling ball in my throat but I didn't cry I'm healing but of course naturally I've always been afraid that I too would have a seizure and this my uh post-traumatic stress therapist taught me 
this is just, you know, if I saw my mom have a heart attack, I would always think any symptom was a heart attack. If my father died of a brain aneurysm, I would always, every little headache or twitch, I would think, oh, brain aneurysm. It, it's just the nature of the beast. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a seizure while driving. Absolutely not. So I kept trying though, guys. I really did. Um, Thanksgiving rolled around and I was cooking with my ex-husband and I felt the feeling again in the kitchen where I was just disconnected. Like he was talking and saying something and I could hear him, but I couldn't process what he was saying. And I was like, listen, I, I got to go to the beach. I know it's Thanksgiving and we have so many things to cook and do. I've got to go to the beach and just lay and meditate and breathe for a second. This is where I start to really feel bad for the old me. I went to the beach. He dropped me off because at this point I wasn't driving. I could not drive anymore because of the fear. Anytime I would get behind the wheel, my palms would sweat. I would have armpit sweat stains. I would shake because I was so nervous for that feeling to strike out of nowhere. So he drove me to the beach, dropped me off at our favorite little pathway. I was like, come get me in like an hour. Okay. Put my towel down. It's beautiful in Charleston on Thanksgiving. We got lucky. Put my towel down, take off my top, and I'm like, I'm just going to tan here and just sit in the sun. Like sun, salt, sea, best healers, right? I'm sitting on my towel, looking out at the people jogging with their dogs, right near the ocean, right near the waves. <laughs> Jeffrey is really going to town snoring right below me. Hope you guys don't mind. He'll, he'll be in this story too, soon. But I'm watching people jog, right, where the sand meets the sea. And all of a sudden, I literally feel the world turn upside down. And even just tapping into the memory of what that felt like can almost tip me off, all pun intended, tip me off into feeling that panic again. I felt the world turn upside down, like literally as if I were dangling from the sand and would fall into an abyss of some sky or space. Or, I don't know. But I literally felt the world just... Voom. If you look at a flat surface, picture it just flipping. And that's what I felt. And then you know that sensation of if you were on a carnival ride and you flipped and you were like, ah, woohoo! But you're laughing and screaming for fun because you know it's about to be over. Except in this scenario, I didn't know if this would ever be over. And I was alone and I was afraid. <laughs> And so I called my ex-husband to come get me because I was like, I, I can't, I can't be here. I'm so afraid of what my mind is doing to my body. Something is wrong with me. About a week later, I think, we went back to the ocean at nighttime to watch a meteor shower put down a blanket it's pitch black out you can't tell where the ocean meets the sky it's awesome it's really pretty but we put a blanket down and as soon as I start looking up at the sky I feel 
the falling sensation, except my mind starts telling me, how is the earth just floating? How do we not know when we're just going to fall and everyone around us will permanently feel that falling sensation until you just die, I guess. And then from that day on, it took me years, like two or three years, to be able to look at the sky without feeling that falling or that fear of like, whoa, how are we not falling off of the planet? How is the planet just floating and it's not going to fall into a sea of stars? I'm telling you, I feel like I sound crazy. But here's where I wrap it up. Because obviously I don't have those sensations anymore. Thank you to the high heavens and all of the above energies. I realized at the turn of, you know, my birthday came around December 6, 2016. We were in Key West. And how funny, I could drive golf carts, mopeds, rental cars, you name it. I could do all of that down in Key West without a sitch. I could look at the sky at sunrise, sunset, nighttime, and not feel a thing. I could understand what the guy handing me my Coco Frio was saying. It was, I could hear it and it was processing. And so I thought, wait a second, I'm not broken. There's not a brain tumor growing on the base of my spine. <laughs> it's my life. And it's, it's my subconscious trying to communicate to me. It's my body. It is my physical body trying to talk to me. This incredible working machine that we are all gifted with that is stronger, more powerful than we know. Telling me, hey, your world is so backwards and so not what your soul that is living in this meat suit came to do. You are just convinced that your life is upside down. It is not straight. You are not on the right path. You are not moving forward. You're stuck. And not only are you stuck, you're moving backwards. You're upside down. And then the free fall sensation was my body feeling out of control. It was my heart, my mind, feeling out of control of my fate. When you're free falling, and whether it's an elevator or through the sky or whatever, you can't grab something. You can't press a button and stop it. It was a metaphor from my psyche and my body telling me, Steph, stop saying yes to everything you don't want. Start saying yes to the things you actually do. And my mind is so stubborn. I'm all Taurus, Scorpio, my birth chart. I'm so fucking stubborn that I told myself, well, no. I have a wound of family, and this is what you do. You go to college, you get married, you live on your own, and you make money, and you have a baby, and then you create your own family, and I'll be damned if I'm going to do it. You'll see. Instead of facing the reality of things and accepting that, I, that things aren't going to happen on my watch, things aren't going to happen exactly when I want them to, with who I want them to, only then will this stuff stop. So when I was in Key West for my birthday, I can't believe I actually got on an airplane. Oh, you know what? I do remember. I remember now going to Charleston Airport, which is a really cool place. Everyone there is so kind. 
And I remember thinking, yo, there is no fucking way I'm going to survive on this airplane if I can't even drive a car. This is like the ultimate form of letting go of control. And I was right. As I sat in the airport to board my flight to Key West, I was just pacing, tapping, super sweaty. I can't believe I never got medication for this stuff that I did it, just raw dogged it. <laughs> Boy, if I would have known better, I don't know where my head was at and why I didn't pursue medication. I most definitely would have. But again, I'm stubborn. Or I, I was just disassociating. I don't know. I didn't even think of it because I couldn't even think of what to grab at the grocery store. So we got on the flight. I was panicked. But as soon as I could see those be beautiful Caribbean blue waters, it was just like instant melt away. And then we were there. It, you'd never know I had anxiety. I didn't feel a thing. Everything felt awesome. Oh, I loved it. But that night... I was laying in a hammock. You guys know the story if you're OGs. If you're new here, it's really cool. I was laying in a hammock on my birthday night, 11 o'clock, sometime around then, just swaying and listening to that warm ocean breeze move the palm tree fronds. And I was like, universe, if I should quit my nine to five, because I thought, I think I was just reflecting on, okay, my life feels upside down. Well, what do I need to change? The first thing that came to mind was my job. I was like, I can't spend eight hours a day doing something that makes me so nauseous, like a literal visceral reaction of nausea. And it makes me cry when I hang up the phone after every daily meeting. This has to go. But I come from a lack mindset surrounding finances. What do I do? I said, universe, listen, hey, anybody, God, Allah, Buddha, who's out there? If I should go home from this trip and quit my job on Monday. Just quit. Show me a shooting star. And literally at that very moment, the most beautiful green-blue comet almost, shooting star went right across the sky. And my phone that was tucked between my leg and the hammock lit up as if someone texted or called me, even though no one did, and it was 11-11. I thought, okay, whoa, whoa, truth bombs, head to toe. Fine. If that's not the most blatant response from the other world, the other dimension, I don't know what is. So I went home. And what do you think I did? I thought I was crazy because I was listening to some unseen force. I thought, whoa, I'm really about to blow up my life now. And how do I tell people this? Well, a shooting star told me to do it. Well, <laughs> you guys know, but... You also know that, quote unquote, normal people <laughs> would look at you crazy. Why are you doing that? Have some responsibility. But I did. I freaking did. And my manager was so caught off guard. He was like, what? And then he's like, hey, let's, let's have a private call. And so he immediately called me because this was through email when I sent my 30 day or not my two week notice. I mean. He called me and he was like, Steph, are you okay? What are you, do, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know, health coach? I'm almost graduating from IIN. And he got quiet. And then he was like, you know, Steph, I've always thought you got to get out of here. You're just not meant to be here. Your personality is just, you got to go do something else. You got to do big things, Steph. I, I'm really happy for you. Just under the rug, like off the record. Get out of here. 
And I was like, wow, he saw it. But of course, how do you approach someone and tell them that? So I quit. And within two weeks, I delivered all my equipment, stood in line at Comcast and handed it over. And as I walked out of that freaking Comcast store, I was like, whoa, first day of the rest of my life. And I have never worked for anybody since. And as I walked out of that door, it's almost like I walked through a metaphorical metal detector that pulls negativity and worry and stress off of your aura. Because I swear to you, once I dropped off that heavy equipment, a heaviness released from me. And I could drive by myself home with no issue. Two months later, it's a cold, late winter morning, almost some few signs of spring. We are driving to Raleigh, North Carolina to pick up an eight-week-old pug puppy I appropriately named Jeffrey. <laughs> I've wanted a dog my whole life. Unfortunately, never had one because I was raised by a single mom who knew better. Now that I have a dog, yes, mom, you were right. There a lot. <laughs> but this little pug showed me unconditional love and was something to take care of outside of myself. And he instantly lifted anxiety off of me. And he helped me socialize, bringing him to dog parks, puppy training, to the beach where we would have literally a line of people waiting to take a picture of this eight-week-old little chunky punk puppy. Come on. Brought so much joy and happiness to my life instead of being so isolated, damsel in distress in my office at home. And then sadly, but now I can reflect back on and say beautifully, two months after we got Jeffrey, I lost both of my cats. I had a mother-daughter pair of cats that I had found in my garage in New Hampshire that we moved down there with. These were my babies, my fur babies. And one of them had the mother. She was older, 10 years old cat. She had diabetes. And God bless anybody listening to this who has had to deal with taking care of a diabetic animal Round-the-clock care, the most expensive thing to take care of, I think. And so sad to just slowly watch them wither away. It's like being diagnosed with X amount of time to live. But she passed suddenly one weekend, and sadly, her daughter, our younger cat, six-year-old one, she just took off. She just took out the back door and never came back. And so at the time, it was so much grief I realize now that it took such a weight off of my shoulders to not have to take care of a sick pet 24-7. It is so much responsibility that someone who's already struggling, just it's a lot. And so by the time we left Charleston in June, after a year of being there, I was free. I had way less shackles. I had my dream job. I was now a full-time health coach. I did it by myself. I had my dream dog, my dream job. But there was one more piece that I intuitively felt. You know, I could drive. Let's wrap this up by saying I could now drive. I never felt that sinking sensation. I could rock it at the grocery store. I have my life back. 
And boy, I did not want to look back and reflect. I just wanted to keep moving forward and pretend like that chapter never happened because it was scary. But I could still feel a little wobble in my step, in my psych, if you will. And I knew there was one more thing that had to go in order for me to be as rooted and grounded as a 70-year-old oak tree. And that was my marriage. That was the person that I had committed my life to. That was the person that was my safety net. That was my sense of familiarity that I had planned to have children with, that I had planned to buy a house with. But again, those were all plans that my inner child was screaming and begging and clawing for because she thought those things would heal her. Not realizing that my soul in this lifetime did not want any of that. Not realizing like, hey, little five-year-old Steph, we're safe. You can curate family from people who aren't blood-related to you. You don't have to procreate just to feel a sense of family. You know what you can do, little Steph? You can share your heart on a microphone, and one day you'll attract 300,000 people to be your family. And you'll have that sense of community and love and unconditional support and loyalty that you never had and you never thought you'd have. Having babies and getting married is just a bonus. But girl, you've got a lot of healing to do. You're not ready for those things. You want them to last forever, right? Uh-huh. Well, let's not rush into them. Let's think about this before we do it. And once I got a divorce right on the day of my Saturn return unintentionally. I saw rainbows, like literal rainbows, because this was in June 2018, everywhere. The hummingbird became my symbol, sign of renewal and travel, changing. And I've never had anxiety since. I mean, whoa, that was bold. Of course I've had anxiety. I mean anxiety, crippling anxiety of I can't drive. I can't show up for work. I can't understand what someone's saying to me. I've never had those. Those are dead and gone. And I'm going to continuously make decisions that guarantee I never fall back into something like that ever again. The anecdote for my anxiety, wasn't a special diet. It wasn't medication. It wasn't exercising and moving my body more. Those things are all great and help a lot. I'm not dismissing them at all because I know how it feels. But the anecdote, the true uprooting of those rotten, diseased roots that were slowly suffocating my soul. was letting go of the things that weren't meant for me. Was stop pretending that I knew, was to stop pretending that the things I thought were meant for me were for my little five-year-old self, but not the new version of me. The things I had couldn't get me to where I needed to go, where I wanted to go, where I was desperate to go. And I'm so just nostalgic that I think back to those two cats, Brownie and Daisy. I think back to my ex-husband. 
and the life we had, just us four. And I'm nostalgic. I don't miss it. I don't ever want it back. But in the little moments of sitting on a patio in Charleston with those four and watching lightning on Christmas, (laughs) thinking this is cool. We New Hampshire kids aren't used to this. Of getting texts from the cat sitter when my ex-husband and I were traveling because we traveled a lot, saying, the cats are good, here's a picture. Like, It feels like a different lifetime rather than just the same lifetime, but time has passed. And I'm nostalgic for it because it was the best and the worst time of my life, but it it really conditioned me to be who I am today, to create Lightworkers Lounge, to be in a partnership like the one I am in, to do something as incredible as make twice as much money as I did working for a big corporate job by myself. What? I still don't believe that. But again, I don't, I'm big picture, Sagittarius. I'm big picture, and I think I don't focus on how to get there step by step, which is not a bad thing. We just talked about it on yesterday's podcast for Capricorn. I just kept going to where it felt good. Even if that meant hurting feelings, shocking people, shocking myself, quite frankly, doing uncomfortable things, sitting during the discussion of divorce with my ex-husband and sitting through it even when I wanted to blow up and yell back or when I wanted to just get up and say, hey, like, I'm done, peace, that's it. Sitting through it to end things, to close things. Sitting through the second needle of euthanasia when they put my cat down and not saying, I can't do this, you guys do it, I'll just be in the lobby, I can't watch. Sitting through it sitting through the uncomfortable things because you realize that those are the good things. Those are the things that make you grow in wisdom. Those are the things that make you so appreciative for little things like seeing a sea turtle swim under a bridge in Key West. The little things like sharing a hot cup of coffee with someone you adore. It makes those moments sweeter if you can just sit through the pain and uncomfortableness, is that a word? And keep going, keep slowly inching yourself towards what feels good. Don't give yourself a deadline. Capricorns are like, girl, you just said this yesterday. Just, you find that, go ahead and give yourself a deadline, but don't say, I haven't met this mile marker, I haven't met this goal yet. You will. What's meant for you? Do I think I would have, I don't know what would have happened to me. I don't know. I would have eventually left that relationship. Oh, of course, that job. I'm surprised I didn't leave it earlier. But I really, really believe, even on my bad days, that what is meant for you will never pass you by. There's just a few different types of roads to get there. There's a straight road going through Kansas that's smooth and easy and on cruise control, and you get there, lucky you. And then there's the... Colorado overpass road where you really need a lifted vehicle and at times you wonder if you're going to make it out alive and your knuckles are white from gripping it so hard and maybe sometimes you break down and you have to call people to help you continue on your journey but you always get to the same place I really do believe in that 
And a quote I kept repeating to myself during these hard times was, don't let the music die within you. Do not let your music die within you, Steph. Dreams are not random. Feelings are planted in your heart for a reason. You really reach wisdom when you can discern if something feels good because you think it's going to heal something within you or if something feels good because it's what you're meant to do. A good way to figure out how these things differ is if something feels good, but you think it's just to heal a wound, you'll get hurt when it doesn't look the way you want it to. When you share it on social media and it doesn't go viral or get the amount of likes, or if it's a podcast that doesn't get as many downloads, you're doing it for the wrong reason. But if it's something that is a dream that you love, you'll do it all day anyway. You'll do it no matter who sees it. You don't care, right? Let's use the simple analogy of marriage. If someone is getting married just to get married, whether it's to fulfill a childhood wound, a feeling abandoned, or like mine, let's just pick on me here, getting married to create your own family that you never had and a sense of normalcy you never had, then you'll want to share it. You'll post lots of photos, lots of videos, constantly talk about it, maybe. But if it's something that feels good and is meant for you, like in the case of JL, I am in no rush to marry that man. I mean, it's beautiful. I'm not trying to say I would never, like, uh, but it doesn't cross my mind. Whereas when I was with my previous partner, I literally think I told him, like, I'm not moving in with you until we get married. <laughs> That's just what you do. It's like, come on. Why? Marriage is beautiful. It is sacred. It is wonderful. But why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you genuinely love this person for who they are and how, e how much easier they make your life? Or do you love them for what they can give to you? What you think? they can give to you. That's how you know. I have no idea what I'm going to call this podcast episode. If you have made it this far to the very end, I can feel our heart chakras connecting. <laughs> you just got a glimpse into the life of me, into the dark side, the light side, the soulful side of me and I appreciate your time your ears your listening hopefully you could connect my words with what I was saying but anxiety panic depression it can be a very very lonely space whether it's self-inflicted or just a product of your environment in your life that's unfortunate it's lonely and I've been feeling it a little bit these past two days I don't know if it's hormonal because I'm about to start my period or what, but I thought I'd get on here and just kind of unzip my heart and let you in and kind of hide from the howling winds of anxiety with you for a second. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Lightworkers Lounge because if I didn't have you guys as my family, my community, I don't know what I'd be doing. Probably something I still liked, but this community this creation that we made has been the most healing thing that I've ever had in my life 
So thank you. And I will see you guys <laughs> for another episode of Astro Advice Column. Or just another heart-to-heart -heart episode like this. Sending love from Colorado and beyond.